Today's topic is relationships and Ben and I were having a discussion about relationships and lately this is what we've been talking about because we're both in one at the same time. Not with each other. Yes, not with each other. With different people. Definitely with different <laughs> With different ladies. Yes. Now, we were thinking about this and we were like, well, what do we want to talk about? And I think the biggest problem right now with us is like, we're in totally two different, it's not even a problem, we're in two different situations. Mm-hmm. Ben is in a relationship where he's living with his partner and she's, we obviously, you know, right now, obviously right now we're in quarantine. So he's with her 24 seven. And then I'm on the opposite end of the scale where my partner's, in another country and I don't know when I'm going to see her. Yeah. So completely polarizing ends of the spectrum. Mm. But I think, um, I think the big thing we're going to sort of talk about today is just what we're learning. Cause again, it's, it's, you know, we may know a little bit, but we've like everyone else, we've got our stuff that we're trying to learn and work through and grow, um, grow around. Mm. And hopefully through this and through talking about that, people may feel a little bit better or just feel a little bit normal in their situations um, given, you know, our our experiences and what we're going through, right? Yeah. So I think this is going to be interesting because I think a lot of people see us as I'm I'm the emotional intelligence coach and I'm constantly giving advice about your thoughts, feelings and your emotions and you're this guy that's out there always healthy, always on his shit, you know, you know, Mm always at a good mood or whatever it looks great but to recognize that we all go through our own shit and we all have our insecurities i hate that word um try to bury that deep (laughs) our our triggers um and we're going to talk about our attachments our learnings and how do we speak to ourselves you know Mm. this is the funny thing about relationships i think about relationships and i go I love them. I, I think, you know, when we have deeper relationships and connected relationships that we're happier, you know, I feel like when you have people around you that are like-minded, that are cool, you feel connected. And it's a funny thing, you know, it's, it's, I hear so much about relationships and, and I'm in no way an expert. No, you know, I, let's I, just get that. Let's, let's get, get that real, real clear. Yeah. Like, we, like, this is the thing is that, this is one of the topics that everyone has an opinion on mm. and it's it's one of the most contentious topics there are because everyone's experienced some sort of form of relationship with mm. with someone right so i mean again i was single for seven years i've only i've been in a relationship for a little over a year now so and it's not my niche forte of learning experience while i love learning more about it each and every day yeah in no way do i want to insinuate or position myself as any sort of expert. So it's more just sort of sharing our experiences and, and, and what we're picking up and what we're learning. And hopefully it's of use. I think it's going to be, if anything, it's going to be entertaining. So yeah, I think, well, yeah, let's start with like, you know, how are you fucked up Emil? Like <laughs> how are you, how are you messed up? What shit are you getting over? Well, we're going to go with me first. <laughs> I was trying to go with you first. Um, how, how am I, what are my issues with relationships? I think my issues to start is I haven't had a relationship longer than two years. And the last time I was in a relationship was about a year and a half ago. And I could say so many things about that. I could say because I was modeling for 12 years and I was traveling from country to country because it's hard to meet people when you're modeling because, you, you know, you fly in, you fly out. 
Um, yeah, there's going to be so many people that are going to be listening to this and like, oh, you poor soul, male yeah. model, traveling oh, around the world, up. around attractive women. <laughs> I'm so sorry if I dated you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, you know, it's also the thing where um, the stories and the excuses and the sabotaging behaviors and, and not knowing when that comes up until you're in relationship, like really like when you fully love and you express love and you open up, it's, it can be one of the scariest things ever. Mm. And the reason being is you, you're going to get hurt or you could get hurt. And I think for myself, um, this is really interesting. Going deep, we're going vulnerable. Straight off the bat. But I think it's really interesting how I've noticed within myself, you know, I've been, you know, my relationship's fairly new, it's a lot newer than you. But the one thing we have from the start has been honest with each other. Like straight off the bat, expectations, what are we feeling? What are we, what's coming up for us and discussing that. And then as we've gotten deeper and deeper and deeper, when we became official, you know, what was interesting is that I notice insecurities coming up. Like I notice insecurities coming up the moment I express love and, and what I made that mean was like, holy shit, if I love her, I could really get her, mm. you know? And, and then I was like, oh my God. And, and just noticing, and I'm pretty observant myself and, you know, I, I should be because I'm an emotional mm. intelligence coach. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's really interesting noticing um, what comes up around relationship and the, the insecurities that I've been so good at hiding over the years and avoiding and pretending not to know and even on a subconscious level not even knowing that I was doing it until I got into a relationship with, with someone that I really like value and I, and I love so that's been super interesting like noticing like insecurities popping up and fears coming up and going holy shit this is my shit and some parts of you like wants to run but my deeper sense of me the deeper part of me wants to go I want this. I want a deeper connection. I want to have something that's intimate, that's connected, and I want to be able to go to different levels. And if I'm going to go to different levels, then I'm going to have to show up as different. I can't do the same shit. Expect a different result. And I think once we get back into relationship, you can't kind of do the work. Like, think about it, right? It's like, I'm going to go and work on myself. And yeah, you go work on yourself and you heal. But ultimately, when you get back into the relationship, it's like you just get back on that bike and you're going back on the journey again. Mm. it won't come up until you're in the relationship and you're getting faced with it like it's a mirror so i think it's super interesting now like i'm 37 years old and my mindset's going to this place of like okay how do i become that man the you know superior man the man that is showing up in his masculine but it's also okay with his feminine but also holding space for his girl in that space like so many of you guys like Think about this for yourself. Like how many of us get into a relationship and we're like, I don't understand my partner. And, they, and they're and they communicating to me. And, and especially for guys, we look at them like, what, are you, what is she saying to me right now? <laughs> and then the girl's like, how come he doesn't understand me? You know, and it's like, it's a different language sometimes. Yeah. Do you, so you were saying like you were, uh, you know, upfront, honest expectations. How, how, how far into it oh, you mean? were those conversations sort of showing up? Because some people like, you know, you know, being honest on the front end. And that's something that I did um, prior to me getting into my relationship with Paula. Uh, but some people question like, when's, when's too soon? 
or when, when yeah because you don't want to be putting your, your demands on someone straight away mm. especially when you're just sort of sussing them out i guess you know because yeah. it could be considered needy well i mean even like like sharing sort of where you're at and what you've experienced and the things that you're overcoming right some people don't do that mm. because they're scared of Jackson. scaring people scaring people away and like avoiding an ego dent right and i think that's you know people are prolonging a lot of the time uh an, e- an ego dent on the front end they, they want to avoid an ego dent on the front end mm-hmm. by giving the person a full clear perspective of of sort of where they're at right but authenticity has to bubble to the surface at some point well, think about it. When, when you first met Paula, like, you, you first met her, right? Mm. Like, everything was sweet. Like, you did your, like, swagger thing. It's like, how did you meet her, by the way? Uh, um, well, we met at the only time we, were, we ever went to Omnia. Omnia. That was yeah. the only time I've been in Omnia. That was the only time she was uh, at Omnia yeah. in uh, Uluwatu in Bali. Yeah. And basically, it was a handshake, hello. Mm. Uh, we were at the same table, mutual friends. Hmm. Hi, nice to meet you. That was it. I think like maybe a few weeks later or a month later, I saw her at a cafe and she was over the other side of the cafe working away, headphones in. I was on the other side, but I recognized her. Not only because of that, but I was following her on Instagram. <laughs> so I was already following, I, I was already following her. I recognized so, her. Yeah, so I, ah, oh, I think I know. That's uh, Right? So, and she didn't look like she wanted to be bothered. So I was quite, I went over and bothered her anyway. Um, I went over and just said, hey, um, uh, I think we I think we met at um, uh, Omnia briefly. Wait, Paula, right? You said we you think? Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, so cloudy. Oh, my memory is so cloudy. Um, no, it was like, yeah, Paola, right? Like I met you at Omnia yeah. and she didn't recognize me, me uh, like initially I was wearing a hat. So either, either it was just because I was wearing a hat, um, or I just didn't leave a good impression. It I was, was like, did, was two. that a kick in the ding ding? Yeah. Well, I mean, she kind of looked at me in a weird way when, when I approached her, but she, she was very pleasant and very mm-hmm. nice. And we had a chat for about 10 minutes and I left it and I went on my way. Did you get a number? No, 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 I just, I just, I was sitting there going, um, oh, this, you should go over and say hello. And that's the initial thought. But then like the ego starts to go, well, no, she looks like she doesn't want to be bothered, busy. You shouldn't be that guy that just walks up to people in it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you start to validate it. You start to validate why you shouldn't do it. And it all seems to make really good sense. Mm-hmm. And then you get stifled. But then I was like, whoa, 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 I see what you're trying to do here. You try not to. Are you afraid of rejection? Mm. What are you wanting from this? Do you have an outcome that you need? Are you, is your self-worth governed by anything that comes after your ability to act? And I was like, you're going to feel shitty about yourself for not taking an opportunity just to go and say hello without wanting yeah, anything yeah. From, from it, right? So I went over and said hello and, and said, well, you know, enjoy your day and, and left. But then eventually she sh- she saw my uh, profile pop up in in who viewed her stories and, and recognized me and followed me back. And then I reacted to one of her stories and um she i reacted one of her stories with like a uh like a clap or like fire something like that i i don't know what it was right but then she replied back and we just got okay. got chatting we were chatting for a good uh three months she was back in europe at this point so a good few months we were just simply chatting and eventually um i caught up with her in barcelona and 
that was where it kicked off. But I think um, like in the beginning, and, and that's, the, that's the question that I sort of ask you is that in the past, I had sort of signified to people that I was dating. I was like, look, some people kind of coined me as being unemotionally available, just pretty much due to the fact that I had not been in a relationship for seven years. Yeah. It's easy to kind of tell that. Um, I don't necessarily think I was, but seven years single doesn't really do you any favors as far as not being able to combat that sort of yeah. viewpoint towards you. Um, so I had obviously formed a certain sort of, um, what would you say, conditioning, mm. seven years worth, right? So getting into it. I had to have an open conversation with her about sort of what I'm learning, my process right now, why I'm going through that process, how I'm looking to overcome it and what I've got to overcome. Mm. And I had said these to, this to people in the past and they and they didn't want to buy into it either. They had similar things, but they were not ready to meet that stuff head on for themselves as much as I was and wasn't ready to feel like they had to do the same. Yeah. And I ran that risk because, again, I wanted clarity. I, I, like, I didn't avoid shit tests. Mm. Um, but there's a fine line. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me some of your shit tests. Well, it's just like people avoid seeing the full, like, having difficulty show up within the relationship or challenges show up in the relationship mm. um, or tests to see if people can move past things. And that's why people are typically, like, very controlling is because they don't want challenges to show up whereas I, I was okay with potential because it gave me clarity on whether or not this had some legitimacy to it or whether or not it could only survive due to having no challenge mm. and at some point it has to right so I was quite happy to be open with people up front on things that maybe were not admirable let's just say that that's 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 a shit test yeah I'm going to show you I'm going to I'm going to allow you to to not only to see the admirable parts, but I'm going to allow you to have access to understanding maybe some of the things that you might not deem admirable. Circuit, like uh, that's subjective, obviously, but my willingness to go and, and put that on the table obviously runs you at risk of people going and opting I don't not for that, right? Yeah. But I was looking for someone that was going to be secure enough or, or welcome enough or appreciating enough to take that in a positive, in, in a positive light, the fact that I was even willing to do that. And that was... That was scary because I was like, before having those conversations, it was just like, oh, I'm running the risk of this going the same way as, as it has prior. And when she was a pre, like secure enough in herself to look at that and go, like, I really, really appreciate you sharing that. And that just opened up the line of her sharing her stuff and it brought us closer together. But I had to run the gauntlet. Right? Yeah, but I didn't do it straight away. It wasn't yeah. like first date or anything like that. But when you kind of get the signif you know, the signification that there could be something in here, in this a month in, two months in, a few months in or whatever, when you start to see that it might be something potential here, it's like, you know, well, I want you to buy into me for, for, for exactly what it is, not me just showing you on the front end exactly what I want you to see. Because at some point down the line, it would bubble to the surface mm. and it might be, I might be more entrenched. It might've been um, longer down the line. So that's why like when people see that as like a scary thing to do um, because they think oh, I'm going to avoid rejection here, 
I thought, I feel like that is saving me from a bigger down the Later line on, yeah. when you know so you, you, do it, you would do it sooner so you'd be like if you can handle this and you're definitely gonna be, not yeah. gonna be able to handle this later on well it's just like my my authenticity had to bubble to the surface at some point yeah. the truth had to come out mm-hmm. right and it's not that it was like the things that were all that horrible but that's what people do is they they put an inauthentic self out there mm-hmm. not the whole kit and caboodle and to avoid having an initial ego dent or rejection on the front end, and they think, phew, I've dodged a bullet. But what happens is later on down the track, your authenticity has, has to bubble to the surface. Mm-hmm. All that stuff has to come to the surface at some point, right? Yeah. And then you're, you're more entrenched in the relationship. Maybe you've got kids now. Maybe you're, you're married. Maybe you're this. And you've done a good job of getting the security of them. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got them. It's safe. But now the the surface is starting to come to the surface. So it's like I need I wanted to have a relationship where it's like it was built on not on you buying into half of what I am. I need people to buy into Every a lot of what I am. Yeah. Right. And it was just obviously choosing when when that was. When do I drop this bomb? Well, when do I? And it was kind of my hand was forced, right? I remember you telling me about it. Actually, there was a time where you were like, "Yo." I, I think you shared with me where you're like, I need to share this. And it was scary. Like what was coming up? What were the fears yeah. that were coming up? Like you remember the point where we were living in another, yeah. another villa. I think I spoke to you a little bit about it before yeah. I actually had the conversation. Cause I was like, Emil, like, um, I'm going to have to have this conversation. Cause, yeah. um, I wasn't going out as much at that point in time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing a hell of a lot of things. And it got to a point where she stopped inviting me to certain like outings and stuff that were out at night yeah. and taking that as if I'm not interested. But in my process, it was like, it required me not going out as much. And mm-hmm. while that was difficult, I was committed to the process. And um, uh, it kind of forced my hand because then she stopped inviting me and I started to take that personally. Yeah. It was like, well, I still want to be invited. But I've said no so many times to going out to things. That she's going to be like, well, you're saying no. Well, what's going on? I'm like, yeah. fuck, look, like, it, it's not got nothing to do. Like, let's let's catch up tomorrow and I'll I'll run you through it all. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, if you haven't heard any other podcasts or anything, so I had kind of like a, I guess, a borderline, uh, borderline level one sex addiction. So not quite, but I wasn't completely in control of it. Um, whereas... Uh, that was the the thing is like I was not in control mm. and that was something that I was looking at and trying to not judge but like just at least get control of it yeah that was the big thing and so I was implementing stuff even prior to having met her that allowed me to sort of get on on the offensive of dealing with some of the things that made me seek validation through a lot of or self-worth pseudo self-worth from a lot of um multiple partners in a sense Mm. right so um i had to divulge hey look i've kind of formed you know a little bit of an impulsion in this sense and that's where i've got them so and now i'm counteracting that which which means not not putting myself in situations which are typical to what i was doing temptation or well, it's not even, it, it wasn't so much feeling like that. What is well, addiction? The circumstances. Well, think about addiction. Whenever we feel addiction, like what spikes our heart rate raises, 
mm-hmm. you know, palms are sweaty, like we feel uncomfortable. It's like, it's like this, it, it raises your adrenaline kicks in. And then it's like, if I don't want to do that, it's like you typically did something smart. You took yourself out of the situation, pull back. You're like, if I can pull back for just a certain amount of time and breathe through this, like every time it comes up, then that's me getting over this. And that's the hard thing was either I keep putting myself in it and I feel that and I can't, I'm out of control or actually I come to terms with it. I face it by being with it, own it. And then I share it, which is fucking vulnerable, right? Like you were being vulnerable in the most, like this is a sore that you've been hiding, bro. Yeah. It's like, and the more you hit it, it's like the more you're like, if, if anybody sees this, I have guilt and shame around this. If I expose this, like, like the first part of it was you accepted. You're like, yo, this is what I've got right now. This is what yeah. I'm dealing with. And then you owned it and then you shared it, even though that was the scariest part because you might not have fully healed yet and you shared it. And that's no. what's vulnerable about it. And that, like that, I ran the risk. It's just like, look, I mean, I'm, this is my process. Hopefully if she's the right person for me, she's going to respect that. And fortunate enough for me, she was really secure enough to go, I really, you know, admire that and respect that. Yeah. So, and again, that you know, that, that stemmed back to like recovery of lost needs, father stuff, mm. potentially, most likely, right? Just a, ret- a retrieving of worthiness, which I didn't think I had, but again, we're governed so, so much by the unconscious, right? And that was a thing. It was just like I was so unconscious. I used to say that it was just personal preference until I realized that maybe I was – governed by the unconscious a little bit more than I would like to think. I think that's a trap that we can get in, especially with people that do the work, right? We all do. It's like <laughs> you want to you want to think you want to think that you've got a grip on a lot of things and um you know bringing out of the unconscious into the conscious is basically just admitting what you vehemently deny and I was vehemently denying that there was any sort of potential issue there. Um because I was just saying, I was flipping these, just saying, it's just personal preference. Mm. But then when I had a really good look at it, like, I don't think it was. I think I wasn't in total control of it. I think I was acting on impulsions a hell of a lot of the time. Mm. And not to say that having multiple partners is like a bad thing. It's just the fact that I wasn't in control of it, right? It was just like, how do I get in control? And I, I remember being in London for a good uh, few weeks, three or four weeks there, and um, having to sit in my shit. Cause I wasn't medicating through trying to like hit up people or like find people to, to go on dates with or yeah. catch it for a drink or anything. And I just had to sit in my shit and sort of attend to that. And that, I felt like shit for a good, good month because hmm. I wasn't, I was able to medicate. You know, yeah, you literally had to stop and go, Hey, like what's more important here. And I think part of the way you got through that was going, what is my wife for this? Like, yeah. what is like more important to me right now and that's the hardest thing because we can always fall back into our habits and use that as a, a scapegoat to go fuck it yeah i'll find the excuse if i feel like this then i'll just find the excuse i i think you know you know what other thing i think it was is that it was like avoiding future issues because mm. i mean with something like that you know you see like a young guy um, being able to you know have multiple partners, and society says, "Oh, that's like the most one of the most socially acceptable kind of cruxes, right?" Mm. 
And so if it's not causing me too much issue right now, which it wasn't, but what if we took away the variables that allowed that to be what my crux is? Let's say that I'm older now and I've got family and kids. I'm not as young, not as virile, I'm not as able to, I'm not as healthy. I don't have the same accessibility as I once did, but yet that's the way that I medicate. Mm. What if I take those variables away and that's not, do I then start to play that out in, that transmutes into a different one? Do I start medicating in a different way? Because Mm. I haven't dealt with what's underlying. And that was my fear is like, let's get on the front foot with this Mm. because this has a potential later on when you take the variables out to manifest into a different one that's not, that is going to cause you issues and it's going to cause issues to the people around you. And you might start to do this and do this and do this. It's not like, Oh, I stopped this and the variable was taken away and it dies there and you stop doing it. It had just transmuted into a completely different one that might really be detrimental. And while it's like, so that's the hard thing is like, how do you get on the front foot with something that's not giving you issues as yet and forecast that it will in the big and start to want to go and heal it? Like that was the challenge because there wasn't necessarily a pain point then. Mm. Well, there wasn't a clear one, right? So why the fuck was I going to get on the front foot of healing something when it's not giving me any issues as yet, but I kind of understood, look, you're not in control of it. That has the potential to really transmute into something else if you don't have a good look. And I think at that point in time, like I really wasn't thrusted into, into my work as much. I wasn't as passionate into, into my creation. And yeah, because I remember of that, you were in a, in a level where you were just kind of going with the flow, just going from thing to thing it wasn't really like when we would even ask you like what are you up to you're like yeah i'm just kind of working on this yeah i'm just kind of working on that but the moment you got clear and this is the thing it's like you made space and it wouldn't have come up unless you were in relationship yeah that's the funny thing this is why relationships are so fucking amazing and so painful at the same time Oh, they were always like, I mean, that was one of the big reasons as to, as to, as to maybe a little bit of why I avoided it for so long. Mm. Well, I, again, personal preference wasn't avoiding, wasn't avoiding. Mm. It's because I want to, right? And it's like, I'd gotten to myself in, into a place where it's like, I didn't view relationships as, as much of a potential gain as a, as a potential threat. Mm. That's how I, that's how I corresponded to what was it. Your, what was the threat? What was the fear? You unravel. Yeah. You unravel, you throw a spanner in the works and, and unravel everything that You've has been created. So yeah. people to me seem like, like choosing a partner became like a very, like it was, it was an important thing because adding you into the fold, like my situation, my family, my friends, my business, my health, everything seemed to check out yeah. and it was in, a, in an amazing space. Throwing a spanner in the works, right? In my head, I was like, you, you have more of a potential risk to kind of completely unravel shit. As opposed to when people get into them, typically it's like, I'll have so much love and stuff to gain from this, yeah, yeah. right? I think it, unconsciously, that's not how I viewed it. And, and again, it's, there's so many reasons as to why. And that's interesting as you say that because, I mean, I've coached people that are playing at such high levels like yourself and they get into a relationship they get a kick-ass career like their business is flying through the roof sales coming in they're making money the moment they get into a relationship and it's the wrong relationship everything falls into falls on its face they lose everything they can't function properly they can't think they're like fuck the business they can't even think properly and it's like and it is it's like and it's funny because i wrote down self-worth that we're talking about self-worth it's like we based 
everything on our self-worth and this is why we get so good at business or achieve such high results because then we when we get these high results we get fed and we get praise right and then it can be taken away in two seconds you think you're confident i was like thinking about this the other day i was like confidence i was like everybody's confident at things they're good at and then a relationship comes in and it just smacks them upside the head and they're like are you really confident mm. It shakes you to your soul because you're like, oh my God, like this is the one thing that everybody wants. We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to be heard and understood. And when we don't, we've worked so hard to create this career, lifestyle, this image, and we're not, like we've been fed. And then all of a sudden we stop getting fed and, and the person can see us and can see our insecurities and the deepest, darkest shit that we've been so good at hiding and avoiding and not showing people. And then we're like, Oh my God, am I fake? Am I phony? Like this has come up for me. Even the, the old stories of like, are you enough, Emil? And um, is that something that's been, has that been one of the things that's been showing up for you lately? Yeah, recently it's, it's come up for me of like old, old, deep, 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 deep wounds that I had no idea were there. And it showed up in a space where I was like, like, am I enough? Like it's it's hard to question everything. Like I've been coaching nearly ten years. Right? So that ticked over in your head. You had a moment there oh, where absolutely. you were like, you said to yourself in your head, "Am I am I worthy of this? Of what you've got? Yeah. Of this relationship? Yeah. And am I going to be enough to to whatever the fuck that means? What does that yeah. even mean? That question is like, am I going to be enough for this relationship? Mm. But the old story, like I've always had this story of, am I enough? You know, and this is why I was this perfectionist that constantly like made shit look good all the time and constantly showed up as the best self. And, you know, I was a model and it looked all shiny and shit. And in the modeling industry, yeah, I was confident, but it wasn't real confidence. Like ultimately it's like, I learned how to deal with rejection. I learned how to accept myself, but it's like, Again, remember I said at the start, it's like it only really comes up when you're back in relationship. The real acceptance. Yeah. And it's like the real acceptance of like, can I accept myself even if this person doesn't, even if I love them? It's an interesting question. Yeah. Right? Can I accept myself fully and embrace myself even if this person doesn't approve of me? And I love them. Right? Think about it. And it's like, we all want our partners. Like if, if you love your partner, it's like, of course you want them to accept. You want them to love you. You want them to embrace you. You want them to nurture you. And, and I think it's also about going, what are your values in that time? And going, what are my non-negotiables for being in relationship? Because for me, I have been in relationships in the past where I have betrayed my values. Like you wouldn't believe before I even knew my values, I would settle for the way I was being treated and I thought, no, no, you don't give up. You don't give up. You just, you got to keep going. You got to keep supporting that partner. Even if they're treating you like shit, even if you're not being, um, if, you, if you're not growing, I was like, no, that's selfish. You can't leave that partner, you know? And I just literally destroyed myself to the point where I was like, what are you doing? And once I learned my values, then I was like, this is your values. You don't ever, ever, Go out of that no matter what. Do you think that, that, that that's <clears throat> more painful to realize that you've betrayed yourself and your <clears throat> values? And especially when it doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't even play out. Like I've experienced that where 
I've uh, I've had an outcome <coughs> with someone mm. and you put these people on a pedestal, right? Mm. And then you give over yourself because you have this desired outcome that you want and it has to happen. And I remember I gave over I gave over my authenticity, I gave over my values. You're like, "Here." And and it still didn't wasn't enough. This is this is years ago. This is yeah. when I was younger. And it still didn't play out. And the thing that hurt the most was that that played out the way it played out. But I betrayed myself as well. And I think I had to go through that to learn, right? I'll take as many ego dents as I need be, but I will not betray myself, betray myself again because that felt worse. It was a trade-off. Mm. And, but I, kn- I knew that that was an easier one, easy one. In, in the, like, it was almost like, yeah, you did this, but I, I love me more mm. by the fact that I, I, I backed myself in yeah. and was willing, was willing to be rejected but also not rejecting myself in the way in, in way of my values well it's it's funny right i was talking to i was talking to a girl yesterday um and she was telling me how she was in a relationship and when she first got in a relationship with this guy he basically told her at the start he's like he's going through some things himself with addictions and that he doesn't know if he can be in a relationship and as i'm listening she said, you know, that's okay. And she got into a relationship anyway, but at the moment they had an argument, the, the dude would split, he would run and he couldn't handle the confrontation. And I was saying earlier, I was like, the women express so different to males. Like there's so many times where I know a lot of this shit from learning emotional intelligence, from reading on books and this and that. And I'm still like, what is she talking about? <laughs> you know? And I'm still like gobsmacked, like, wait, does she want me to, wait, does this mean that, do I have to show up? Like, you know, and, and imagine for, for guys that don't, don't understand this at all, that are like constantly, we, we, we haven't been taught to express. We haven't been taught to, to, uh, listen, men, men tend to come across as what's the problem. Let me solve it. And (sighs) that's been me. Yeah. Me too. Mr. Fix it. Yeah. And in that, I was talking to her and she shared with me like he disappears for four days and then straight away she feels this gut-wrenching feeling like her heart's been ripped out. And, you know, I was listening and I was like, that's an anxious attachment. So every time this dude pulls away, she she gets anxious and he's dismissive avoidant. So what does he do? He like the moment he feels uncomfortable, he's like, I'm out. Wall goes up. And that's the same thing I used to do. I used to numb shit. My girlfriend, my, not girlfriend now, but my girlfriend in the past would say stuff to me. I'd be like, I don't know how to deal with this. And I'd just be like, what? So what would you, so what would you then do? Like, so how would you react at that point in time in that situation? I know that my wall goes up and then they'd be like, say something, but I wouldn't know what to say. And that's the mm. worst feeling because you're like, you should know what to say. You should know how to say something. Like, yeah. But when you when you're in that feeling of free flight fight or flight fight or flight you're literally like you do freeze and and i would freeze in that circumstance and go i don't know how to respond or react to this situation because i've never been taught and i think you know going back to this girl what her her thing was is that and i'm going back to your values and stuff never betray your values that she knew from the start 
he literally said, hey, this yeah. is what I'm going through. I don't know if I can be in this. And you ignored it because you wanted to love so much. And how many of you guys do this out there? Like we do it. We all do it. I've done it where I've gone. I just love the feeling of this so much. And I just love when we're together. And, you know, the highs can be super high and the lows can be super low, but it's worth it, you know, and you don't know what you're going to get some days. But, and that was one of my relationships where it was like one day you're like, is she, is she good? And next day you're like, oh, she's really good. Okay, next day she's like, is she going to be good? Like, you know, it's up and down. But that's because when I didn't know my values and I was like, yo, you need to check in. Like, is this in alignment with me? What are my non-negotiables for being in relationship? You know, because a lot of us don't understand our non-negotiables. And the thing that is the most painful thing ever is that we do betray ourselves. Yep. And this person in front of you is actually just a representation of your pain. And they're showing you, they're going, hey, this is, this is me. I can't actually be in this relationship, this guy, but I'm doing it because it feels good, like an addiction. And you're wanting to have this from me, but I can't give it to you because I can't even understand how to do it for myself. So how am I going to do it for you? Mm. And we always hear this saying, you can't love anybody until you love yourself. And it's as cliche as it sounds, it's the truth. It's like, how are you going to give, how are you going to receive anything when you're not giving it to yourself, when you're not allowing yourself to give it to yourself. And we do this on a consistent basis. How do I, how can I get this from this person? What are all the things I want, I want him to do? What are all the things I want her to do? How come we're not doing it for ourselves? Yeah. Like going back to, um, you were talking about, you know, when your partner would come to you emotionally mm. about something. Um, You, you mentioned that you'd seize up or you just wouldn't be able to speak, you don't know what to say back. Um, what, what do you think you do? Do you, do you think you do anything different now? Absolutely. First, it's not about me trying to solve it. First thing, especially mm. like coming from being a coach. Um, yeah, you've got to take your, <laughs> you got to, you got to be able to take, take your, your, your coach hat off. And I think that's a big thing as to mm. um, what a lot of, coaches do is that identity is so hitched on i'm a coach this, I provide, is, this, I provide is, this is interesting as you said because i want to talk let's go into that for a sec and then we'll go back okay. coaches out there that are constantly like and i'm so guilty of this uh i'll learn a shitload of content i'll get more knowledgeable and i'll get i'll be like i don't want to feel like that so i'll learn more about this and i'll learn more about this and then i'll get a partner and I'll get a partner that I feel like I know more than them and then I'm superior. And then because I'm safer and I know more then the more I'm trying to coach you or give you advice or tell you how to do things, I'm controlling the situation because then I feel like I'm above. And there's less risk of you being able to bring light to my shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and whenever we do give advice, like it, how do you feel? We all feel good. We, we feel good when we're right. So it's, it's noticing that now and going, are you wanting to give advice because you genuinely think this is going to support her or are you doing this because you want to be right and it feels good to be right. And I have to honestly consciously check in and go, and what am I doing right now? Let's just hold space and not even have to give a solution. And that's tough sometimes, you know, especially when you've been doing it for so long and, and going, how do I actually just be the space for her to express? And sometimes I don't know what to say and that's okay. And sometimes you go, you can say that too, but 
I think it's, it's still learning. And I think it's, you know, I've expressed that to her in the relationship saying, I don't want to be your coach. I don't want to be your parent. I want a partner. Yeah. And if that means being a partner is me fully expressing, that means me coming to the table and expressing what is actually happening inside, you know, and sometimes we express differently. Like my partner would express differently to me and, is way more open and consistently and I need to gather a lot of information Then I'm like, ah, oh, now I see what's going on. Now I can express this. And I think we're just different. I think we're all different in how we express it. I think, but the, I think the key is to allow it and not feel shame around it when we're expressing it, Yeah, you know, and, and holding that space. And, you know, I used to be super judgmental when my, my, one of my partners would express to me, about her insecurities, but I felt that when she would express it, it was coming from a place of projection instead of, I'm actually going through this. These are my triggers. This is how I feel right now. And I just wanted to express that versus you make me feel like this. When you do this, I didn't like this. I feel like I'm not worthy when it's like, there's no responsibility. It's like our triggers are our triggers. Your yeah. triggers are your triggers. It's like they existed triggers, long before you showed up. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like I've had a partner where it's like she brought up the most darkest shit I've ever seen in me. But as much as that was painful, I'm grateful. Well, the 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 main point of relationships is a lot of people think it's so they can feel special. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think it's so they're meant to force you to be to become more authentic. Mm. But like we hear authentic, and it's like oh, authentic in a good way. Where my, my authentic in my, my real self. Yeah, but that also means your fucking shadows and your dark shit. Mm. That's, that's, that's what they're designed to do. See, and that's why people won't like want to really thrust themselves into it because it's like, oh shit, I have to see myself in full authenticity, not the authenticity that I want to see, but what actually really is. Watch two life coaches come together in relationship. It's, it's another game. It's like I'm an outconscious you. Oh yeah, they, they, they at, at times that that definitely plays out. You know, we spoke about it on a um, on another video that Joel mm. posted um, a little while ago. Uh, I think you need to allow people around you to be human, mm. but it also requires you to be able to go and do that. And I think a lot of coaches really have a hard time allowing themselves to be seen as human. Because if they don't put themselves on a pedestal, they think that's going to be worse for their sales or they're, not, they're going to have less respect. Yeah. And that's a trap. That won't affect yourselves. People not feeling safe around you and not being able to feel like they can be a human is not good for your relationship mm. and your ability to go and impact them, just like it's not good for your relationship. It's like we have to allow the people around us to feel comfortable being human. Mm. But also that means a lot of times that we have to go first in that. And I think that's the deep, deep, deep acceptance. Like when I'm thinking about it lately, yeah. like even with my relationship now, it's like, where am I still not accepting parts of me? Where am I still hiding? And that's typically what you, when you judge your partner, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I've noticed about me. Yeah. Is that I, I, I did an ayahuasca ceremony not long ago. And one of the things is like I realize how judgmental I am on myself. And sometimes that is then my, my lack of patience with myself uh, 
gets mirrored in the way that I have my lack of patience sometimes with my partner. Which is understandable because it's like I talk to myself like this and then I have these expectations on myself and then I look through those eyes and go, <laughs> why is she doing it like that? How come she's not like showing up in a certain way? Mm. It's, it's, it's That's the tricky thing as well. Like I, I think when a lot of people choose their partners, they have a lot of, they have a lot of um, traits or characteristics that they've repressed either, you know, during the way that they've grown up. This is maybe like I know for myself that I've developed characteristic traits um, that reflect having more safety. So, yeah, I mean, I've developed characteristic traits that allow me to feel safe. I've, I've had to counteract um, certain things with certain traits and developing other traits meant putting that at risk, mm. right? Which is, you know, the, sometimes the vulnerability, sometimes the living into emotions more, not regulating my emotions meant uh, lack of control, which meant uh, like, you know, not feeling safe. Um, and that's the funny thing is that a lot of people choose their partners around the things that they repress, mm. but also frustrate them, which is like, which is the fucking interesting thing about it, right? Is because I choose you because you have traits that I don't allow me myself to express. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That are my freedoms. You're my freedom in a sense that you get to display this. And I feel a sense of wholeness when I'm in the you. fact that you're picking up the slack for the things that I, I do not allow myself to be. Mm. But then they also the things that I judge myself if I have, which then get reflected and the thing that you actually love about them and is your freedom and that the trait that they're expressing is the same thing that sometimes you judge and get pissed off about. Mm. Right. So fucked up. And I've, and, and I've noticed that within myself. Mm. So it's, it's such a, it's, it's such an interesting thing to understand that, you know, a lot of times the things that you're unconsciously ever pressed, they're in your part, they're, they're the things that you condemn a lot of time purely because you condemn them within yourself. But mm. often the time they're the things that attracted to them unconsciously. You know how people have like a type and they go, oh, I don't have a type. Like everyone has a type. You just don't know what your type is. You know, consciously what your type is unconsciously. You're so governed by so many different things. Right. Mm. So, but yeah, I think it's super interesting how we choose our partners. Oh, it's, it's largely, ungoverned um mm. are consciously ungoverned uh, consciously governed unconsciously governed mm. right we like to think we're in control because that's again safe but you know there's so there's so many layers there's so many layers to like how we choose our partners but um i just want to go back to um something you're talking about before about being mr fix it yeah um i've been that and we've spoken about that and that's one of my biggest challenges is that and, and it was even, it, this even showed up almost a decade before in my, in my past relationship is that when my partner, like you said to me, comes to me with emotions or, or is upset, you know, I spend a good chunk of my time in my masculine because that what is represented certain traits that allowed me to survive or feel safe because I had to, because no one else was going to make me feel it. Mm. And um, when she, when, when my ex and like even, even now, Paula comes with emotions. I want to try and knock them on the head. I want to go and fix them. I want to provide a solution. 
you know, masculine is, is death, death to emotion. Mm. You heavily, you're really good at self-regulating your emotions, which are sometimes a bad thing. There's a very fine line between self-regulation and repressing. Yeah. Right. And when you're so good at self-regulating your emotions, sometimes your, your partner becomes an extension of you. So I'd get uncomfortable. I feel it coming up when she'd be upset and I'd immediately want to kill the emotion off, like masculine death, kill the emotion off, feminine life force, creativity, mm. flow. It doesn't want to stop. Yeah. doesn't want to not continue. It wants to keep to doing this. Mm. And the masculine goes, nah. Mm. And what I realized was is like, I think oh, I'm providing a solution. Here's how you stop feeling like this. But it was more about the fact that you're feeling upset you and your emotion means that I'm feeling this emotion because seeing you that way is hard for me to watch. Mm. And I can't go back to feeling okay until you've stopped. So it actually ends up being quite a selfish thing to try and immediately, you can't kill off uh, the feminine in its, in its flow by providing logic. Mm. And I try to do that all the time. You come to me with an issue, I'm going to solve it for you. Mm. Here's, a, here's, a, the, here's the things and the ways that we solve it. And then when it doesn't get taken on, I get frustrated, like as if you just want to continue to be upset. Yeah. And now that means that I have, I, I have to, mm. or, or not have to, but I'm going to because I can self-regulate myself, but I can't self-regulate you. Mm. And that's that's a hard thing for the masculine is to be so out of control of being able to regulate that because then your your partner's pain becomes yours. So I was just like, I could feel it coming up. And one thing that I've had to learn is is to Again, like you said, just meet it where it's at, mm. not have to try and provide solutions. Just be with it. Allow it to be a sounding board. You know, give feedback when it's, it's asked or opinion when it's asked and just nurture the emotion until the emotion does its thing. And, that, and it's then when uh, that's what I've found is when the feminine decides that it's, it's the energy's decided it wants to stop in its own time, it can come back to being uh, um, masculine and logical and providing an outlet. But it can't can't go to that space any sooner. But I try to force it to that space because I, I found it I found it uncomfortable because I was so heavily, so heavily in my masculine, mm. right? And even at times I feel it like kicking up automatically. How do I provide a solution to the thing that's causing you that emotion? And then I have to I I feel it and I'm like I have to be conscious of it. And it's like wean myself off of having that knee-jerk reaction to go and do that because I used to do it all the time. I heard in that, you've read The Superior Man and yeah. we've all read it many times, but I heard in The Superior Man he, him saying actually that he's like, your woman wants a reaction and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, she just wants a reaction. Like she wants to know that you care. She wants to know that you feel. She, and, and when I first heard that, I was just like, what the hell? Like, so it... Even if like, if you're cool and you're calm, and this is where I used to pride myself as like, I'm cool and calm, I've got my shit together. But the moment like, it would get really uncomfortable, I'd be like, freeze, this is what I used to do. And then she'd go, keep going in another way. She just wants me to react. She just wants something to come up because then she feels the passion. And I used to be like, this is so strange. Why, why, why would you want to upset somebody? And it's because they're feeling not like you're not being heard or not being understood or seen. And, and when I got that, I was just like, okay, cool. I, I just feel like now it's like, how can I, f how can I be with my partner and hold that space so that she does feel 
heard and understood. But also at the same time, it's like knowing when it's your stuff and knowing when it's our stuff and knowing when it's like, am I just projecting this? You know, what's the difference? Yeah. Am I projecting this? Am I just, um, is she projecting it onto me? Is this me or is this you? You know, like, and, and questioning that too. And I think it's good to question. I think it's good to have those open conversations of like, I noticed the other day when you said this, this triggered me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I noticed the other day this triggered me. And when that triggered me, that brought up something in me. And I just want to express that. Right. And it's funny because I, I have a coach right now, a mentor and, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about like there's three stages of relationships and you've got the first stage, which is like the honeymoon. It's like your six to nine months where everything's great. And, you know, they're amazing. And you've got the same commonalities and my God, you, you know, like everything they do is amazing. And you just, you're just so thrilled to be in relationship, you know, with someone that gets you. And then after a while that starts to fade off. And then the, th the second stage is the month stage. And the mud stage is, is the stage where you start to project. You start to feel certain ways. You're not getting the same dopamine hit when you first got into a relationship. And the real shit starts coming off. So the masks are coming off. And when the masks are coming off, it's like, wow, they, they, I'm seeing this other side. And I think the biggest lessons during when you're in the mud is like, how do I accept myself? How do I own my own shit? How do I take responsibility for what's coming up for me? My triggers are my triggers. Your triggers are your triggers. But how do I not bring that into this container that we have together? And a good exercise that my coach gave me, and I think for everyone that's listening or watching, is open up the, the space to say, I want to have a discussion with you. I want to open this container. But I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to give me advice. I don't need you, your feedback. I just want to express this. And this is nothing personal. And this is not about you. This is about me. Because if the trigger wasn't, if it didn't come up, if I didn't have a reaction, it was there the whole time. Yeah. Right? How else would it have come up? And this is the beautiful thing about relationship. It's there to show you where your work is to do. Your triggers are yeah. your freedom. And, you know, I, I did this exercise the other day and, I did it with my, my girlfriend. I did it with my father, actually. And it's amazing because the moment I expressed, like, what my triggers were or some of my insecurities, I was going through it. Like, some stuff was coming up. I started questioning everything. You know, I was, I was filming the other day. I couldn't film um, because when I was filming, I, I kept on muddling up my words. I kept on going into my head. And, then you know, I had so many things on, you know, and then that led into other things with my girlfriend and, she mentioned something to me and it triggered me again and, and, and it was just poking at everything. And I started focusing on all the things that I was not good at. It was like I was looking for it. It was like, I'm like, I'm going to get this magnifying glass. I'm going to start shining it on all the shit that I don't like about myself. And this is what we can do sometimes. We can get caught up in that and the focus of that, that we actually miss what our gifts are. You know, whatever you focus on will grow. And that's what I was doing. And, I, and I'm so good at finding it with my clients that it's not a good idea to focus it and do it on yourself, right? And um, it wasn't until I spoke to my coach and I spoke to, you know, you know, my business partner about it and we broke it down and I had to re-come back into my body and reconnect with what my values are. I had to remind myself again, like, Emil, like, you are kind, you are generous, you know, you are a leader, you can step in. Your ability, you know, and remind myself and... It's that self-talk and that self-love and it's real self-love. It's like looking into the mirror and, and repeating it. 
like what I am to myself, you know? And the reason why I said have this exercise where it's like, I want to have this discussion with your partner is because the moment you have that discussion without getting an input back, just opening up and expressing, this is how I feel right now. And this is what's going on for me. And it's not about you and I'm not projecting it. So don't take it on. Mm. And remember that's the clear like instruction. Don't take it on. This is not yours. This is mine. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people, it's easy to say, it's like to the partners, like, oh, you just love to fight. Yeah. And, um, and like you said before, the, the big things that I kind of heard from what you said is like understanding and feeling felt. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn is, and you said like any emotion, mm. right? It's like when someone's in their, their, their feminine, they just want to be felt yeah. and understood. And that's typically the, the issue with the masculine a lot of times is that the emotion that comes out tends to be anger and frustration mm. when you haven't been able to stop it or provide a solution. And I found like in one of my first relationships, that's where it would go to. I'd either want the conversation to stop and when the emotion just kept flying on, I'd start to get frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. Mm. And then I'd blow up. And it was only until I blew up and showed some sort of form of emotion, any emotion could then it slide out and we could actually then, and this is but like- it had to arrive at a point where it, I dealt with it in such an unhealthy way. But just any emotion at that point was what, she what she needed but it didn't have to be that mm. she could be felt and heard and understood before me me getting to that point and that's that's a lot of my work right now a lot of my work right now is again like testosterone fueled feminine right shows up in in some interesting ways mm. right and we can see it as like masculine but like testosterone fueled feminine which is a flow of emotion and, and in men sometimes comes up in 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 unhealthy ways and i used to see that within myself quite a lot mm. you know but you you mentioned before as well like the different stages of like where you're at so what how many how many months have you been in a relationship since february 7 we're official official yeah so how long is that what is it Art seven april seven almost three months yeah but we were seeing each other before that but like i said before like like i said from the start it was kind of like we were seeing each other but we had no expectations on it and i think that's why it grew so organically is because one i wasn't like looking to start a relationship to be honest um especially with someone from overseas and um yeah neither yeah. I think we both of us started out like having no expectation. We're just going about a, about a way, and it just yeah. so happened to find it find its way to us. Yeah, and and what was interesting is that when it did, it was just kind of organically opened up, and and she came and saw me, and then I came and saw her, and then you know it just one thing led to another, and here we are in a relationship, and now um, it's interesting because yeah, I have peeled back so many layers and so many deep insecurities and i even hate I, I, you know that word insecurities it's like i'm so good at hiding it like i've, I've made through i've become an emotional intelligence coach and learn about emotions and know about your feelings and thoughts because i was so shit with mine and and i think at the same time that i'm learning in this relationship is that it's actually a beautiful thing to admit like yo i also have these insecurities i also go through these fears and i have to acknowledge that 
Oh, it's intimacy. Mm. Like intimacy is not just about sex. It's about sharing of emotions. Yeah. But then not feeling guilty or shame around that. Like, should I have shared that? Yeah. Like, like how many of us do that? We're like, we share it and we're like, oh, I shouldn't have shared that. We feel regret straight away. Oh, that's weakness. The moment I shared the other day, even just about the container of what I was feeling, the moment we felt instantly way more connected. Like it was instant, you know, and I think we push vulnerability aside. Like so many of us, we've heard that vulnerability is weakness, but it's like when you accept what you're vulnerable about and you really embrace that, that's, that's a strength. And if your partner is not going to accept that or they're going to just fling it to the side, like, uh, or dismiss it, mm. it's like you need to check in and go, okay, what kind of relationship do I want? Because if your feelings and what's happening is being dismissed on a consistent basis, it's like, it's not, it's not really connectedness. Yeah. Do you feel like, so a lot of people right now, they're, they're with their partner or like a lot longer than what they typically are. You mean right. in quarantine? Well, in quarantine, like maybe their partners work, they're spending a lot of time. Yeah. Maybe they're judging their relationship. Maybe their relationship is is taken on a different dynamic because of the circumstances have changed, mm. right? Um, maybe some people are feeling a sense of like their passions dropped or intimacies dropped or commitments dropped. One of the three, and that's that's typically what um, uh, Robert. Uh, have you ever heard of Robert Sternberg? Sternberg. No, uh, he has a theory on love, and he basically feels like there's seven seven types of love mm. and they're built around intimacy, passion and commitment. Now, three of them only have one aspect of that, either intimacy, passion or commitment. And they lack the other two. Mm. And there's three that have two and lack one. And then there's consummate, which is like the all encompassing, like it, it has both. It has commitment, intimacy and passion. Mm. And that's typically where most people try to fight to get to. But they think they're just going to stay there. And when they fluctuate in and out of it, they start to have the judgment. Is this right? Is this it? Like maintaining that level of, of love where it's all three takes a fuck ton of work. Mm. That's where the work is. Oftentimes we'll see people drift in and out of consummate and companion where maybe they lose a bit of the passion or, um, or they lose a bit of the intimacy, Right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like those are some things that some, someone watching or someone listening maybe thinking with themselves like, oh shit, where do I improve this relationship? And maybe they're hearing this for the first time and going, yeah, I lack. And it's not even just like sex. It's just that their willingness to be able to open up, share emotions, share thoughts, or maybe the passions dropped off. And like maybe, you know, and, and even on my, like for me, and just talking to like one of my struggles is that. I spent seven years in, in short-term relationships mm. where in the seduction stage all the time. Mm. Now the seduction stage is really access, really easily able to access emotions yeah. and vulnerability mm. very easily. In the seduction stages, that's why people love the seduction stage and the early, earliness of a relationship is because it's very easy to access emotions. But then you get past the, the point of what you were saying before, which is what exactly? The honeymoon? The you honeymoon stage, the honeymoon? then you go into the mud the stage, mud. and then after mud is unconditional love. Yeah. So the mud stage is like, for someone like me, that's where I accessed it. I've got to do a lot of work on going and attending to continually working on intimacy. Because now I'm not able to just draw on it within the seduction stage. 
because we're, pa- we're past that. Yeah. And for anyone listening, like if, if you've come across someone and you've gotten further down into a relationship and I'm only talking about like what I've seen in myself. Mm. So I can imagine it's, it's in a lot of people when you're dating someone and then they flake on you or they're not willing to commit or they're these things. It's because again, in the seduction stage, it's very easy to find those emotions of, of vulnerability and um, passion and enthusiasm and all these sorts of things. And yeah. then, it, then it takes the real fucking work, right? And I've noticed that I've had to really work on that because again, I was so conditioned to only being able to access those emotions within the short term because they were so easily accessible. So what happens when they're not as easily access- accessible? And it's like, then you see all these people online and you think, oh, they've got all this, they've got this all encompassing thing. You judge yourself and you compare yourself. And it's like, oh, but my relationship's lacking intimacy and lacking this and that. It's like, it's rare that you stay within, and this is my, this is my opinion yeah, yeah. again, and, and you could touch on this. I feel it's rare that within a long-term relationship, you stay within, within one dynamic of the three the whole time and you never drift in and out that requires the work. We hear two people talk about it all the time. It takes, it takes work. It is. It's constant effort. And I think it's, you know, we, we do. We, we get so used to comparing our relationships with our friends' relationships, people's relationships on Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't see, like, you see these couples traveling around the world together and it looks all gravy and this and that. You don't see that. Every, big, yeah. You don't see that every, every kind of, like. It's like Disney Channel shit. That's, yeah. like, super unhealthy. Yeah. And I think it is. I think it's like it's not even about comparing your relationship. It's about going, what are my standards for my relationship? What is my non-negotiables? What is my values in relationship? And, of course, we're going to hear – we hear stories all the time. Like, you know, girls will definitely talk about their relationships in a different way that guys talk about relationships. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even during this isolation period pandemic, like so many couples are being tested right now because they're getting pushed into this shit test yeah a shit test that they didn't get yeah. now it's gaining clarity yeah because they're going straight into reaction and the only time you go into reaction or responding you go into reaction is when your world around you changes now guess what the whole world is shifting you've been forced into something that you didn't choose to be in and the moment you do that is the reaction comes up and the reaction is coming from a past wound so it's like shit i can't do the thing i always did I can't leave when I want to. I can't go and hang out with my friends and, and have that space. And it's like you're being forced to sit with your shit. And this is, I mean, you're in a completely different circumstance than me. You're, you're in a place where it's like you're in living with your partner and you're pretty much 24-7, right? I'm the opposite. Um, my partner's in Singapore and we don't know when we're going to see each other next. So there's so many different pressures. Like what would you say your pressures are from being together constantly? I think we deal with it right because, I mean, we were spending a, a large amount of time with each other prior to this being the situation. Yeah. Um, but then also then going into doing work together, mm. business together. It becomes that's, a lot. That, that's another story too. I, I, you know what the other thing is? Like Esther Perel talks about it mm. is that – so many people these days need their partner to be so many things. Their psychiatrist, the business partner, the best friend, mm. their romantic interests, their, their accountant, their this, that, the other. And they're too lofty expectations. Mm. And we're trying to make too much of, of one person. And when they can't fulfill all these things, 
we expect that there's going to be someone that's going to be out there to be able to do <laughs> that. To do that, you like, and there's not, it's not, and it's unhealthy. And you hear people talk around about, you know, my best friend. It's like oh, I think that's a really dangerous place to be in. It's like I think that my girlfriend needs to have have best friends that are that are not me. Yeah, right. Just I, so, I just so it takes. I, I don't want the pressure, pressure of having to be everything for her. Yeah, and I don't want to put the pressure on her to have to be my everything. Mm. She can be some a lot of things to me, but not everything. Yeah, and I can be a lot of things to her, but not everything. And I'm not going to judge her for not being everything because I don't require that from her. Mm. And that's just that healthy expectation. That's something that I've had to learn, right? But um, again, I think it's healthy to be able to miss your partner. I think right? so too, no matter how well you get along. No, it's like even if you have to schedule intentional times away and both of you want it, not, not just have time away when stuff gets shitty because then that forms an unhealthy relationship around – um, your time alone. Mm. Am I spending time alone because there's something wrong? No, you spend time alone for you, right? Mm. And that benefits your relationship. So having time apart, even when things are really, really great, I feel is like the precedent that that I would like to set and I think, you know, is healthy. So there's not this negative correspondence around, oh, we're not hanging out together. Is that a wrong thing? Mm. And I think it's good to schedule, you know, we've set up a thing at home where she has an office and she works in there and I work separately, right? And I go off and I come here and do this and she goes and do those things. And it's not wrong or mm. bad or a shitty relationship because that's happening. We see that as a, as a benefit. And I, I know that when I you know, come back or I walk in the door, like I'm so excited to you got something, you've got right? something to say. It's like something new to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and I think it, even with isolation right now, it is going to bring up your shit. Like you're going to get triggered. Like things are, you're not, we don't have control right now. And I think that some of the biggest things that are happening right now in the world is that a lot of people are getting pushed to act differently, to show up differently, to you know, face what they've been running from. I heard the other day, like, I think. A friend of mine mentioned to me that um, he knew, knew this girl that was about to leave her husband and the pandemic happened and now she's stuck in the house and he's a narcissist and she's like, fuck. But I, and straight away I was like, dude, that's, that's lessons in itself because she knew that way before. Like she was waiting, waiting, waiting and now she's been forced to be in the space with him. And I think for everybody in isolation right now, it's like what, what are we not looking at? Right. This is your time to really reflect and go in and go, okay, what do I need to look at right now within myself? Whether it's being building that relationship within yourself, whether that's getting out of something that's not no longer serving you, whether that's a career that's no longer serving you, you know, there's so many things. I know for myself in um long distance relationship, this is a different challenge altogether. Cause it's like, how do we keep intimacy? How do we keep like we speak every day? We FaceTime, we make Pretty much every day, maybe sometimes the random phone call pops up because, you know, one of us is feeling down. We're like, hey, let's just have a chat and see how we're doing and checking in. And, you know, sometimes that can become mundane if we're just, you know, and this is feedback for me, of just telling I did this, I did this, I did this, like just listing the things you did versus like going into deeper conversations and having more intimate conversations about how you're feeling, what's mm -hmm. going on for you. And I think um, it's about being patient, you know, with your partner when they're experiencing this kind of things. You know, she's in Singapore, 
in an apartment in Singapore and they're fully strict there, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in Bali and it's like I've got a villa. Yeah. And I get to go outside and I've got a pool and I can still go out. You know, and it's we you know, it's about understanding where they're at, being compassionate and going, Okay, cool, I get how that could feel really frustrating. Yeah, given the circumstances. Yeah. And not assuming that you'd be any better or feel any different mm. if you were in their shoes. Absolutely. So I mean it's 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 a new thing. It's it's interesting because it's as much as we're not together, it's still going, how can I still be creative? How can I have creative ways to connect? You know, and we've discussed that as well. And I think it's important to discuss it. It's like, how can we, maybe we can watch a movie. There was a, a Netflix, um, Netflix party where you can actually watch a movie together at the same time through Netflix oh, wow. party. Yeah. So that's something you can that's do. That's a great idea. Yeah. Something like watching a movie, maybe it's reading a book together, discussing the ideas in the book. Um, cooking something together you know as much as i cook but, yeah. <laughs> but you know it's it's something where you can go you know what let's make this recipe together the, the other night we ordered pizza and we we went to watch a movie together but then my netflix didn't work but we ended up just eating a pizza together yeah you know? so just I, I guess it's just about day by day bit by bit and and being patient in that space but yeah those are good points because i mean myself and pal have done long distance before i'm and uh, that was really challenging. Mm. That was really challenging. So, and again, that was just another shit test. Yeah. You know, I remember she, she, she said to me, she's like, I thought about breaking up with you. Mm. I was like, I totally get it. If that thought didn't cross your mind, I would have been more surprised just because she had that thought. Yeah. It doesn't mean that like that thought's going to pop up. Things get challenging and difficult. It's, it's, it's easy to go have that thought pop up and then go run away. Get away from that. Mm. And um, that shit test provided a lot for us in, in the ways that we move through it. And that, you know, we saw ourselves get past it. And that was another thing that built strength in the relationship too. Mm. Right. But again, like I was probably not, not the most effective when it came to communication during that point. And that was, that's something that's really needed to be really well. And, I think that, you know, a lot of times I definitely dropped the ball when it came to that. So I like, I really like those ideas and those ways of going about it. So if, if ever the time comes again, when we have to have to, um, I think those are really good ideas to be able to go on. It's also asking like, how, how can I be more like, what, what can I come up with? What, are, what are some new ways that I can come up to surprise? What can I do? What's available to me? Like, yeah, instead of trying to beat a dead horse doing it the same way all the time. Yeah, or just going, yeah, we make we had the phone call, then we hang up. Like I heard the, I read the other day it was something like Matt Hussey was doing a video and it was something about a video about a girl that was like, I wanna have I wanna speak to my boyfriend. I only speak to him once a week and we send messages. And he said, Is that enough? And she's like, No, but I wanna I want more, but he doesn't he's not a talker. You know, so I think it's about learning how to compromise with your partner. Even if you're like, I'm not this, it's like, yo, what does your partner need right now? How do you, how can you support them? And I think, um, you know, I was reading some of the comments because I find it really interesting. And someone was like, yeah, I asked my partner to talk more and then he broke up with me. And I was like, wow, if, if your partner is getting triggered that much and, and they broke up with you because of that, your, your relationship wasn't strong in the first place. Well, you should want to find that out. Yeah. That's the whole point of... Mm, that's a shit going and sharing your sharing what you need and what your boundaries are it's like mm. if the only reason the person's still with you is because you're trying to avoid those things 
And it's like, they're not really there. Mm. So if you've got a grip onto it, you don't really own anything that you can't let go of. You own you. Yeah. Right? Mm. And that's obviously a good thing. Like people see those things as, as being not good things, but they're good things. That happened for her. For like, her. Like if it didn't happen now, it's going to happen later on. And, and this is what I think people need to look at also. It's like when, when people leave or they break up or they – they cheat or they do this, like they pull this, the wool over your eyes. It's like, you got to ask yourself, how is this happening for me? Because if it didn't happen now, maybe it happens later on when you're pregnant. Maybe it happens yeah. later on when you, when you have a child, like maybe he becomes like avoidant then. Like maybe he just disappears and doesn't show up then. It's like, think of it like that. Yeah. You can think of it, the, the blessings that came with that because now I get to do the work on myself. And when I do the work on myself and I heal, then I'm able to feel. And if I'm able to feel, I'm able to be really connected with who I am and what my standards are. And I won't make the same mistake again unless I've healed. Mm. Right? Um, let's talk about fuckboys. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the most common term, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the most common term because, I mean, and, and it's, it's obviously not good to like give labels. We've got to try and yeah, yeah. move it. But for the context of the video of, of sharing, that's what most people correspond with a certain, but like it, that in a sense is very judgmental based off of like, um, uh, he did this or didn't do this or this or that or, or the I've other. been asked I've and been asked if I was a fuck boy and I was like what the fuck what does it mean you know what does yeah. it even mean but I think for a lot of people it's you know I didn't call me that or um, misled me um, was seeing other people um, had sex with me and left like all led, these led, things yeah, right led, led me led me on um I've been, I've been even been asked if I was a spiritual fuck boy, which I was. Well, some people coin that as like a soft boy. Oh yeah, right, a spiritual soft boy or fuck boy, and and I talk a bit about this because um, I've witnessed a lot of friends sort of fall susceptible women to the lures of. Uh, men within the spiritual realm and like just for context like you, you have your good and your bad within every industry mm. and this might be a very small amount right that we're referring to mm. but the scary thing for a lot of people when for, for me the thing that, that scares me for people when they enter in the spiritual the world and the work is typically that they've they've got answers that they want they've got things that they want to work through and learn um, they're carrying in a lot of shame. Mm. Uh, they potentially don't trust themselves to make good decisions. So they're in a point of putting all their faith in someone to be able to come up for, with all the answers for them. Mm. And when people are thirsty, they'll drink muddy water. Mm. And a lot of people... You're talking about the Kool-Aid? Yeah. <laughs> they come in and they just literally take in everything that gets thrown at them because they just don't... They, they, they don't allow themselves to be able to critically think mm. because again if you're moving into something and you've got shame the last thing I want is for another person to think I'm a bad person mm. so when you respect someone and someone's knowledgeable and they've saying these things the last thing I want is for you to reject me or for or to criticize you 
because that runs a risk of me layering more shame. Mm. And when people, and, and a lot of the guys, not a lot of the guys, a small amount of the guys within the spiritual world. Um, so we're still on topic of spiritual fuckboy. Yeah. Right? Very, very manipulative. Mm. And they can be. Typically, a lot of them are, are, are men who struggle to gain any sort of typical sense of power within within the broader community. Yeah. So you use a, a manipulation in a space of like, ooh. They're able to gain a certain power due to relying on people's vulnerabilities yeah. and their shame. Yeah. And they're very easy to be manipulative. And when someone doesn't think that they're capable of doing wrong either, they don't have control of not doing it. It gets manifested in ways that they think is the other person's issue. And the hard thing about when someone has been manipulated in that sense is that to then realize that they've been manipulated would only be to layer more shame. Mm. So then it goes into a denial. No, 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 I haven't. So the one wish that I hope for people to, and it's not necessarily the spiritual fuckboys or softboys or whatever you want to, you know, coin it, is that people don't, allow themselves to be critical thinkers when they move within that space. They don't feel like they have the right to, to think critically because, again, well, yeah, they don't well, trust themselves to be able to make good decisions because, yeah, because of what that's happened in their past. And what happens also is that they kind of put them on a pedestal of like, and this is the, with like gurus. Guru chasing. These, these dudes that are like, these gurus, that's one of my pet fucking peeves of these gurus that like have all this knowledge and then they end up sleeping with their students. And it's kind of like the same thing of like this spiritual fuckboy. It's like, I'm going to give you all this knowledge. And they're like, oh my God, there's this person that I've been wanting and I've been dreaming about the illusion of like, oh my God, he's spiritual. He does yoga. He does this. He's, you know, he's into, he's in touch with his feminine side. He can never hurt me. And he's kind of just getting all of your understanding, all of your insecurities, like, like a guru would sometimes. And I'm not yeah. saying, but this has happened, happened to me with a past um, teacher slash guru and uses the information, uses your vulnerabilities, like you said, and, and takes that and manipulates to control. And then this is where we get fucked off because it's like the thing is then we put people on pedestals. When we think that they know more than us, we put them on pedestals. And the moment we put them on a pedestal, the moment we can't give them any room to actually make a mistake. Well, they have the halo effect. Yep. They get this halo effect around them. Mm. They can't do no wrong. And we have no ability to critically think anymore. Mm. But that's the scariest thing, I, I think, for me, for people going into that world, yeah. is the fact that they think they're going into something safe. And then someone abuses that. Where are they? How, what's going to allow them to think that they can be safe anywhere else? Mm. If that's the place that they thought they were going to be most safe. You know, I've had friends, the reason why we talk about this is I've had friends who said uh, they dated some dude and he was videoing them having sex without her knowing mm. and he'd use spiritual jargon, right? You know, this is what's coming up for you and, you know, like you got to, you know, just relax into surrender. This is what's showing up and done. Why do you sound like Donald Trump? Right. <laughs> You, I don't know, maybe I've been watching too many conspiracy theories. Surrender. Well, you, you, this is what's coming up for you. You, you, you got to combat it. And um, 
just surrender to the process. This is just your process. I'm trying to teach it, like, right? Mm. And if you didn't have a line of critical thinking, to go, no, motherfucker, like, that's a bridge <laughs> of my boundaries. You, and you, you, were, you were laid in shame. You might go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. right? And then you have other times where um, uh, people have been getting massive and someone's invaded their space and they've used spiritual jargon again to rely on people's underlying yeah. shame yeah. and fear of being perceived as a bad person by potentially criticizing you for, mm. or, or questioning whether or not you're doing the right thing. Mm. My fear is that people just don't allow themselves that ability yeah. and they just allow themselves to get swayed by people that maybe had no power in the traditional sense at one point. Now, mm. power doesn't change people. It just reveals who they really are. Yeah. And a lot of, I think a, uh, some guys go into spiritual realm because it's, it's, they see it as an easier way to gain a sense of power because it relies you, you on your vulnerability. Yeah, you get fed and you get told and it's like you, you literally feel your, it's called, I call it a spiritual ego. Mm. It's like you fill it up so much to the point where it's like, look at me, I'm grand. And it may start off as innocent because maybe they didn't have that self-worth and, that, and it is their self-worth or they didn't feel enough. Then they find spirituality and then all of a sudden they start turning into this thing where people start to, my God, I honor the God in you and I honor this in you. And then it's all like all of a sudden it turns from like that light into dark where you see like so many big gurus that have been like known. Like you heard about Bikram. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a, that's a like perfect example. Amazing yoga practice, everything. And he did ma amazing things. And then all of a sudden went into the dark side of too much. Yeah, health. there's the dark side of the spiritual the mm. spiritual realm and spiritual teachings. And, you know, that's still, that stuff's still rife. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's rough. And it's obviously not to say that, you know, a, a lot of them are, are like that. Mm. But it's just being mindful of the fact that it exists. I think it's, it's, it's I think we need to question everything. Yeah. The question, does this align with me? Is this really my truth? Is it not? Okay, cool. That makes sense. Does that make... Even if it makes sense, is it, do I still want to participate in that? Do I still want to go forward in that? Yeah. Like well, pe people think that being critical means being low vibe. Mm. <laughs> like that's how society progresses of being able to critically think and, and question stuff. Yeah. Like if you have to give over your boundaries to, to avoid being seen as low vibe, mm. that's a real issue. Yeah. That's why I don't have an issue like, like potentially like questioning things. And someone's saying, you're just... And like you're not conscious enough hmm. like that's a cloak of armor that people put on themselves right that's just your ego talking hmm. right are you just not conscious enough and it's like i get to then avoid taking any responsibility for the fact that maybe i don't maybe i'm potentially have my shadow being expressed and i have no control of it and i don't know hmm. you know yeah it's and then you got the other side you got the 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 fuck boy that's not conscious Per se. Well, they're less, they're, they're more obvious, so they're actually, less dangerous. It is, actually. I actually find the same thing. I found the spiritual fuckboy is way more dangerous because they know what they're doing. They know how to manipulate and then they're using it to gain versus a spiritual fuck, just like a normal fuckboy that is just like, yo, he's just trying to get ass. I think a lot of them don't know that they're doing it. I think they believe their jive. Mm. I think they've just got, and then, like the scary thing as well is that people feel a, feel a sense of shame in the fact that like, grandiose one way i'm the worst of the worst i've experienced the worst mm. and then they do some work and they go grandiose one way the other way 
And it's like, I'm above human. I've done the work. I've beat the depths. And now I'm above being human. They skip this, everything in the middle, which is, which is humanness, right? Mm. And again, they've reached this, but that's still, that's still heavily laid in shame. Yeah. Both grandiosity is both laid in shame. Mm. And so one's gone from being feeling like they're the worst to then feeling like I'm above human. I've been below human. Now I'm above human. And now that's where I avoid ever feeling less than human again. Mm. And then those people that sometimes feel less than human really flock to us because you've got all these answers and I don't trust myself to have them. Mm. Right. But the, my main concern is that people don't feel they deserve to question and be critical because of the shame that they maybe carry is due to maybe decisions they made in the past and they don't trust themselves to make good decisions. Mm. So they put all their power into everyone else, everyone that is perceived to have high social esteem within a sense of learning, right? And I think that's the most, you know, the, the main message when we talk about something like this is just you deserve to be to, to maintain a level of critical thinking and, and be able to question stuff and not feel like that lays more shame on you. Yeah, I mean, a typical thing you hear is what, um, you're, you're so emotional, stop being so emotional, you're overreacting. Like, yeah. you know, and, and what, what that would do is, is put it back on you to not question me. I'm going to put it on you so you don't question what I'm doing or my behavior is wrong. Yeah. So it's like you're overreacting. You're so emotional. Like th- these are all typical things. It's like that get the the girl, per se, to question herself. And, oh, maybe I am being overreactive. Maybe I think maybe mm. that's not okay. And I, I've had so many clients. Maybe that is my ego. Yeah. It's maybe like, it is this. Mm. And I think I've had so many clients come to me and I'm like, yo, it's like you're not overreacting. Like it's a, no. you, if you want an answer. If, you, if you've been in a relationship for six months and you're still questioning them, I mean, if you're seeing someone for six months and you, you actually want to see where it's going and that person is like, I don't want to talk about this, like there's an issue there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like let's not beat around the bush. There's a real issue there. It's like, where do I stand? You know, and I think that's, that's what it comes down to, your self-worth of going, how long am I going to keep being in the gray area not knowing? Oh, I want you, but now I don't want you. I want you, now I don't want you. And then you pull away and then it's like the moment you pull away and I'm guilty of this myself. Like I'm no fucking angel in this space. Like I've gotten, I've been in a relationship where I'm like, I want to be in a relationship and then I question it and I don't know why I'm questioning it. But eventually we pulled away, but it's like, you can't keep doing that over and over again to someone. Like you're playing with someone's emotions. When you're playing with their emotions, it's like, imagine if you were to put this back on yourself, it's not a game. Imagine you put this back on yourself. How would I feel if I really like someone and this person was constantly dipping into being out with my, with my feelings? It's like yeah. you'd feel like you'd suck. And the reason why I think most of these fuck boys are doing it is because they are insecure. And I call them boys because they're acting like little boys. Like a man is going to show up and he's going to say, hey, this is, my, this is where I stand. This is what I want. This is what I'm not good at right now, but I'm working on it. And I need you to bear with me. But he's upfront and he, he's open about it versus the boy that's going to pretend like he's all confident. And he's like, he's like, I've got this confidence about me, but deep down, I really can't express to you how I'm feeling, but I'm going to go fuck around because that's how I'm. Yeah. Sure. You find yourself with someone that's constantly mansplaining to you and, and telling you why you're feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
there's no sense of acknowledgement of your feelings or any sort of legitimacy as to potentially why you're feeling it. Mm. And it's very easy to use jargon, especially right. when you've got people that are vulnerable, right? Like I've had a conversation with someone, they spoke to someone and they're like, well, they said that maybe this and this and this and this and um, used a lot of spiritual terms. And I basically said similar things and I twisted the words one way and they go, ah, oh, yeah, Man, that does kind of make sense. And I go, look what I've just done there. Mm. I've literally just used similar jargon, similar words, reframed in a different way, and then you've gone and taken that on. This is what I want you to develop, mm. right? Is not the just taking everything as you take it because you've just seen how quick it was for me to go and change your perspective on something just using jargon, right? You've thought one thing one second, another thing another second because I was really good at being able to go and just use jargon that maybe confuses you. Right, and that's the thing is like you can, if you can't bring people in with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. Yeah, and that's again, it's like when people are thirsty, they'll drink muddy water. True. I think if everybody's just stops, you know, especially if you're feeling like you are dating someone that's not in alignment, like instead of listening to the words, like constantly, this is how you can tell. Simple exercise. Yeah, how to tell if you're dating a fuckboy. Write down all the things that they said that they were going to do. And the very first moment you started to feel your insecurity show up, what was the triggers that came up? Write a list of them. What are all the triggers that started coming up? And it could be something as simple as like, he said he was going to come and meet me. And then he said he's got homework. And then I find out later on he's partying with his friends. It could be... Every single time he says he's going to come meet me at this time, he never shows up on time. Yeah. Maybe. Does that correspond? Does that correspond with being like what t- t- typically is known as being a fuck? Because this is the thing: it's like women have been called um, bitches, like yeah. labeled all this stuff. Where maybe that's just their value system or, mm. or whatever it is. So is it? There's there's also like a fine line between doing the exact same thing with someone that just literally their value systems are out of track and maybe some person's expectations of what they want from the person is is they've created it and manifested in their head and again like these are the things that we've got to question is like we we're using fuckboy like just like it's clear because it's the easiest sort of term socially wise to be able to describe right but there's so many variables as to what leads someone to think someone's a fuckboy that may be completely way off and they're just labeling as if it's the same as calling a woman a slut right but there is manipulative like it's like like manipulative people within um spirituality yeah if i'm saying like i really want to be with you and then i'm going and acting in a certain different way that's clearly not in alignment but then every time you pull back and i come back and i'm like yeah but i really want to be with you now because it's like a challenge like that's a fuck boy like that's straight up fuck boy behavior so I, that's why I said write a list of all the things that he has said to you or she has said to you. I don't have a name for fuck girls. But you know what I mean? Write a list. Oh, women have been given plenty, so of, na- plenty names. of names. Yeah. I don't think they, 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 yeah. they probably need any more than but, what they've been tar- targeted with. Over yeah, here. so write a, write a list one on one side. Write all the things that he or she said. He or she he or she has said and then write down all the parts where it's like has triggered you or hasn't followed through or her words are not in alignment with the actions and then on the other side write a list of all the things he has followed through with and how long did it last yeah right because it's usually that thing it's enough to get you back in 
and make you feel like you you feel connected again and then boom once they know they got you there's a they're like oh, and bored again boom behavior comes and it's like it's drama it's like a drama yeah. cycle right so and it's like not confusing excitement for anxiety mm. because if you do have anxious attachment if you are an anxious attachment style like automatically you, you, we do get caught up in the drama it's it like, could feel like it could feel like butterflies in the stomach or like excitement enthusiasm yeah but actually really it's just a lot sometimes red light where it's like oh this, this is, is i'm not. just anxious like, and this, this person's making me anxious it's dragged out of my value system yeah. i've given over my boundaries yeah right and usually if you are feeling anxious it's like okay what's the reason i'm feeling anxious right now is because i don't know where i stand with this person is it because we haven't actually communicated you know because there's a fine line if you are communicating if your partner is communicating and they are actually like making effort and you're still feeling anxious like all right i get to check into me but if my partner is like saying one thing and doing another on a consistent basis and that's making me anxious that's that's the relationship it's like what am i settling for what am i allowing in my relationship and i think we all need to get clear about how do we want to show up in relationship as powerful so that we can have a, par a partner show up in the same way to mirror that. Yeah. And it really does come back to responsibility. Yeah. So interesting topics, man. Yeah. How do you feel we're going? I feel like- An hour and 40 minutes, bro. Yeah, we're, we're, we're solid. Yeah. So this has been good chats. Hopefully um, people tuning in have, uh, uh, found it interesting got something from it maybe feel a little bit more connected to us maybe you know uh don't feel as abnormal here in our experiences about ourselves so hopefully there's been something serviceable in this and um we'll see you on the next one yeah guys make sure you guys comment in the section below and write anything that came up for you during this i would love to hear more because we're going to do more episodes and we can go deeper with this peace